coffee and a little bit of conversation. Hello everyone, welcome to Conversations of Coffee podcast. Today I'm with Paul Alroy, Little Dialect. Paul, thank you so much for having a chat. Thank you. Um, I'm in your home here. Um, For people behind the camera or people behind the screen listening on iTunes, Spotify or Mm. YouTube, right, this is what Little Dialect is about. This is how we got to here and the journey has been a couple of years on the go now and still progressing with a new album on the way. But I just want people to see behind the music and a little bit more about yourself from a personal level and, and get to know the real you behind the lyrics and behind these um, brilliant, brilliant uh, tracks you release. So, kind of, where did the journey kind of begin? Like, you know, you're from. I'm from Cabaret originally, mm-hmm. uh, moved out to Blanchestown, and that was sort of where it started because um, when we moved up to Blanchard, it was sort of uprooted, you know, and I didn't really, uh, I didn't take well to Blanchard, I didn't really hang around there. I have good friends from Blanchestown now, but. I just sort of didn't take to it, and <clears throat> I was in school and Cabra still and that, you know. So I was sort of going back down the weekends to hang around there and uh, to have me few points and that. But I'd came across this place called Faroga, and it was uh, a youth centre with a music studio in it. A couple of my friends uh, who weren't in school in Decos with me in Cabra, um, who also lived in Blanche Stark, going down there. So we'd be getting the bus home with them and they'd say, oh, buzz in and we go in and we're at the fitting and we're in a new studio and I'll come in and I'm writing a few tracks, I'm writing a few tracks, you know what I mean? Like that's nothing, there's no one creative in my, not to say there's no one creative in my family, but there's no one in any way involved in music or, you know, any type of creative industry like that at all. They're all just workers, like, and, you know, nothing like that at all. So it was, it was as foreign to me, you know, at that stage as, as anything else. So. We went in and they pulled up a beat and one of the lads, Rio, had the sauce with the with the software at the time and uh, he says, write something on that for the crack and wrote something and recorded it. And I was on the way out of the studio. I remember Gav who uh, ran the studio. Uh, he was a great guy actually because, um, he, you know, he's, he, the work he's done is basically unquantifiable but he's kept an awful lot of people off the streets in, in Blanche and all in there up and on guard where he is now but he was kicking us out and I nearly didn't go back into the studio he was like no no come back in listen quick come in and uh, he was playing the song but the song wouldn't play and he was because he was born in it at the same time this was like limewire time do you know what I mean you couldn't do two things on a, on a computer at once <laughs> basically um, and he handed me the CD and I went home and listened to the CD and I heard myself on it and I, did, I couldn't believe it was me like I was like that sounds like someone else and then I just fell in love with the idea of, because I've always been a bit melancholic and a bit depressive, you know what I mean? And I fell in love with the idea of me dying and being able to leave something solid behind. And that's basically what I've been doing ever since, for uh, for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. It's leaving a blueprint. It's like you're telling stories. You're telling stories about the area. You're telling stories about where we're from. Mm. I mean, you were talking about the north side of Dublin, but... From the south side of Dublin, I was still listening to your music and relating to it back in 2013 when mm. I was listening to some of the the best tracks still to date, like still that you can listen back to and you're like, you know, the lines that you've said hit home with, with people yeah, that yeah. I grew up with. They, we were listening to some of your songs and they were saying, you know, he's speaking a language we can relate to because we're used to hearing the American rappers and they're talking about, you know, Fact, yeah. all these things and that's good, but 
no right we need a voice that's speaking on behalf of us and what mm. we're experiencing because people don't get to see um, and certainly your parents don't get to see when you walk out the front door and you go out with the lads and there's 15 years walking around the streets and what you're getting up to they think they have an understanding but yeah. you are speaking it in a sense like we were like you know that's stuff on the ground that, that mm. hits home and when you were saying about when the day comes and you leave this earth well you've left something that will always be there no matter what that's true and it, if that's that that was sort of the idea I initially fell in love with you know and it, it's it's a weird compromise because I, I fucking loved music back then I loved it I just I was because I did like there was no as I say creatives in, and again not to say there's no creatives because um, no people are creative in their own way no just he didn't work in a creative industry mm-hmm. you know like my dad's found a few things later on and like, like he loves his bit of cooking now and he's finding a bit he's getting a bit of a creative buzz out of that and I think I think every human has the capacity for creativity in them and I think once you find it but an awful lot of people didn't get the chance to find it so that was the benefit of me moving up the blanche because if I had a stead in Cabaret there's no way I would have I'd been with the lads all the time and I wouldn't have had the time to go into a studio you know but um, that was the the, the whole uh, basis of me getting into music and, and starting out with it and falling over it but there's a weird compromise that happens then because as you get better at something uh, you sort of lose the, the mystique for it you know what I mean so you're sort of seeing behind the curtain the, the better you get and in I, what I, context well I'm at a stage now where I'm writing the best music I've written uh, so far in my own opinion anyway um, but it's also at a time when it doesn't feel as good as it did when I started out, you know what I mean? And I'm probably, I'm probably at the lowest ebb with it, just because I'm so used to it, and it's something that's, you know, I still, I still love it, and I'm still passionate about it, but there's a weird little compromise that happens there, you know? Yeah, I understand where you're coming from. I might book in with somebody and say, come on, have a chat on the podcast, and that day I'm nervous and excited, and I'm on this natural high that I'm gonna be speaking to X, Y, or Z this evening, um, or if someone next week, and I feel it for the week, I'm excited for it. Yeah. Now, it's not that I'm not excited, it's just, right, who's next? Let's learn their story, let's yeah. enjoy their journey. And now I'm kind of just soaking it up in the moment as opposed to, I know what you're saying, you're feeling the excitement of I'm going to put this out and everyone's going to experience it, but you're so far and so deep into it that you're like, right, let's put it out yeah. and see what people think, but it doesn't yeah. really affect you as much. No, and that's the funny thing, because I see the younger lads coming up and they'll be looking at me the same way I used to look at lads who were doing it when I was getting started. Yeah. and. You know, it, it, yeah, it's it's a funny one, but and I, I just want to say one thing as well because when I did start the Nash Studio, I was using an American accent at the start, and then I think it was two thousand and three we played in Eamon Dorans with Urban Intelligence, and that was it was uh, Daniel McDonald and uh, for real uh, Andy. Is Farrell. Daniel Daniel passed away? Yeah, that's, that was is, MC Lunatic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. So he's kind of he the, was the first lad I ever heard rapping in his own accent, mm-hmm. and we grew up to support them. Uh, using these pseudo-American accents and he absolutely slaughtered us and I remember going mad who the fuck is he to say that and being real annoyed by it and I was like I'll show him I'll write this next one in my own accent then and uh, it was his he was he was teaching us you know but then again let's think back Paul like to yourself Costello G.I. you know the list goes on all the names that are on the Irish scene from the get go I'd say mm. you didn't know anything else and we didn't know a Dublin rapper and mm. we didn't know before Daniel we didn't know what it was like to hear a Dublin um, accent speak these words in this 
flow and over this yeah. track we were used to what we heard in america and we were used to hearing what we heard overseas absolutely you can only you can only imitate what you're hearing yeah so in a large way of saying it without trying to make you feel probably like i'm blowing smoke at people you genuinely a lot of you has paved the way for these younger generation coming through because someone had to break the ice and someone yeah. had to experiment didn't they yeah we took yeah we definitely took the flack for all <laughs> you know? um and that's the thing that's the great thing now is like when I was in school, I didn't tell anyone in school that I was um, that I was doing hip hop, that I was writing maps, like because we were a, we were a, butchered each other in school. Do you know what I mean? There wasn't really bu- there was no bullying in their school. Everyone gave it and everyone took it and we used to slaughter each other. But it was the sensitive ones didn't survive. Yeah, but I was making sure they had no fucking fuel on me. You know what I mean? Uh, They'd have you out in the yard at lunchtime doing freestyles <laughs> yeah. and everything. Yeah. So you'd be I'd be tetra packed for the rest of my school days, and I got enough of that at home. So uh, you done well there. Yeah. So that's so what it was was it was just not wanting to tell anyone. And the funny thing is, we played in um, Wheelands not too long ago, and there was loads of lads I used to go to school with who are made into the stuff now, you know. Um, and again, it was just it hadn't been done before, and you know, I saw it. But nowadays, you look at the kids, and it's like the cool thing to do was do that. Like if someone in school come rap, like I was only talking to one of the little youngsters, like and he'd just be in, in the yard and the lads would be asking him to do freestyles and they all gather around him and they That's think it's great. That's a talent he has, yeah. Yeah, they think it's great now, whereas before like it would have been a, a you know, a, a very different story, so. Mm-hmm. Because it was so Americanized and it was so um, commercial, it was Tupac Biggie. Well, even when, me were doing it, even when I was doing it, I'd always started, when I, even when I started out, I had a certain level of depth to it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, because it started out writing, it was more poetry than rap, and then it sort of developed its, itself. But um, but yeah, it was a uh, it was definitely deep, and it was even when I was using a Dublin accent, but it was still just unheard of. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And that that was the thing. Like when when you're in school, when you're growing up in Cabra, like the thing you do when when you're all slagging the show, you each other twenty four seven is you don't try and be different. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You try and blend in and play the background mm-hmm. a little bit mm-hmm. and it gives you enough time like I think it, I'm glad I didn't because if I had said it to anyone then and they'd have ripped the abuse out, into a bit of abuse I probably would have not done it you know what I mean or not being as a as not had enough time to develop and, and to grow and mm-hmm. um, to be confident enough in saying yeah I am fucking doing this and that's what I do and that's what it is you know? but you're stepping out of your comfort zone and you're doing something different and I yeah. think that's why there's people coming to your gigs now and the likes of weed and the one recently which was shared all over the place I've seen and it looked amazing and looked like there was a, a group of people there there's some people in the audience you would never expect to see there yeah. and I'm sure you're still kind of looking going wow but that's what hip hop does for people and that's what music does for people and yeah. that's what art does it affects everybody in different ways and if you hadn't took that step at Blanche and tried this out and said no you know what because all these lads I'm palling around with are going to think this and that yeah, I mean, we wouldn't be sitting there now having a conversation, and we Absolutely, wouldn't be on yeah. our way and to our next album. That's true, yeah. And uh, there's one of the lads who uh, has become a mate of mine, and I didn't, I knew him in school, but I didn't know him, know him. And he's in our nearly all the gigs, and uh, he's a teacher in Brunner. And if you would have said, because my cousins are from O'Devany, and you know, we'd stay over and we'd drop down to Brunswick Street, that was where they went to school when we were getting dropped off. And uh, if you would have said to me back then, you're going to be doing this music and it's going to be a teacher in Brunner who fucking comes to that gigs, I'd have laughed at you. Like, yeah, you'd have never believed yeah, it. Yeah, it's madness. But know, that's so. years later. It took all that time for it to be... It's a language now that's understood all across the city and all across mm. the world. And 
that leads me to my next question because with the new album coming what does hip-hop do for you what what's the biggest thing you gain from it it's just a point of expression that's that's what it's always been you know it's getting it's getting things out because like I'm, I'm a lot better now as an adult but when i was younger i would have bottled a lot of stuff up you know um and it was getting that out it was a, it was a a pressure gauge you know uh, or a pressure valve i should say um letting that steam off and i was lucky i had that that outlet you know because uh as i say i'd be privy to you know bouts of depression and stuff like that and it's a, I, I'm almost opportunist now in the way I look at depression because if I'm going through a particularly bad bout, I say, well, at least I'm going to get some good shit out of this, you know? Mm -hmm. And it makes you um, appreciate even the turmoils in life because you're saying to yourself, well, again, you know, we come out of it. Like the, one of the recent things that would have been fairly traumatic was me ma passing away, you know? She passed Sorry, away fairly young. I appreciate it. And I wrote a song about it, you know? And I was like, not to be, not to say I'm an insensitive, an insensitive uh, opportunist, but I remember thinking at the time, well, I'm going to write a song about it, you know, so at least that's something, you know, but certain, obviously it certainly didn't make up for it, but it, um, it just gives you that little thing that no matter what you're going through in life, you know, right, I'm going to put pen to paper here and create something out of a bad situation. You've just hit the nail on the head because you said it's a way of you expressing yourself. Mm. Your mother passed away and rather than sitting in your room and not not speaking to anybody and bottling it up as you said you released a track and you're basically letting everybody know look i'm going through this yeah and i'm i'm staying i'm staying i'm plowing along you know i'm not gonna just sit in and let this get to me and get me down i'm gonna drive with the motivation now to to want to do well and want my family to see me do well yeah. and do what your mother would have loved you to see and that's yeah. chase your passion you know and i think that's amazing well to hear. i think she would have loved me to go back to college and get a get a <laughs> get a financially lucrative job to be fair to <laughs> but uh, but yeah that's it's true and the more the beautiful thing about it is, is it becomes a communal experience then because through that thing you go through and it's one of the things that you know i think has i, I take great pride in and the, the small few things i have achieved they take great pride in the fact that you know people come to the gigs for the lyrics and that's a big thing with them and after every gig there's always someone coming up and going oh you don't know about you know this song got me through this moment and so you're whatever you're going through at that time you write you create something out of nothing from it or something out of a bad situation and then you share that and it helps someone else mm -hmm. in that regard the same way i have music i listen to and art i, I go to when I'm going through something and it helps me as well, you know, and that's that's another, uh, I'd say one of the, the biggest advantages of art as well is that it, it, it's a shared experience, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's a point of contact for mm -hmm. everyone. And everybody takes it up differently and everybody has their own perception. Everyone has their own interpretation. Yeah. That's My two I, tracks, the, the ones that resonate with me the most are uh, Keep It Real and Out Straight. I just love them too. Um, although I've listened to almost every one of them. They're two that just always stand out to me because yeah. you're telling the story and I think that's just the most important thing because yeah. I look at that story one way another person will look at it another way and we'll all walk away with something different yeah absolutely actually it was only chance on made mine a while ago about interpretation and lyrics and stuff like that and there was something I had said that he had taken up a totally different way but I was like you're not wrong because there's a funny thing I've found that I do because I work you know certain interviews like i'm looking for snippets for the album and that you know what i mean so going back 
I've been going back listening to lots of older interviews. Uh, not of myself, but the likes of listening to like interviews myself to you and Costello did together or whatever. And it's amazing how I've been telling certain stories about certain songs. And then I listened back to that interview at the time I wrote the song and I was like, that's a completely different story I'm telling about that song. So, you know, the, the but memory time. changes and, mm. and, and, you know, interpretation of things changes. Like mm. maybe a bit, the story just expands in its own way and mm. it, it gets to the stage where, well, what was the fucking truth about it? But it's an interesting thing, you know, but... Um, that's what I was saying, like, I, I'm working on this album now and, you know, I'd, I'd done a few other bits, but you mentioned Keep It Real, and it was funny because Keep It Real was a track I wrote at the time and I was just at the get and let go of my job. Um, Australia was seriously on the cards, you know what I mean? My man was saying, look, you need to fuck off out here, there's nothing else going on, you know? That was really on the cards. Uh, and I was just sort of in a place of like what am I doing here it was just at the start of the recession like it was like 2011 or whatever and uh, it might have been a bit earlier than that actually it could have been I think I wrote it in 2010 or there I dare about so it would have just been at the start and you know I went and I did and the whole purpose of LD50 the series it's supposed to be a gradual change the first one the pyramid is up and it's you know it's it's sort of taking all the power, it's sucking all the power from the city and then the second one the pyramid is sort of breaking down a bit and then the third one the pyramid is broken down it was supposed to be a more positive uplifting album and that was the way I'd started writing it and then I realised like I wrote Keep It Real how many years ago, nearly 10 years ago, nearly a decade ago and things are arguably worse, Yeah, you know, things are, they're not better, No. so what the fuck, I know I had a plan to break down the pyramid and to write a more positive album I'm not fe- I'm not feeling much more positive you know um, 10 years later we can still relate to it we shouldn't yeah. be able to relate to it anymore yeah so that's what I said I changed it again and we I should be like, able to understand it yeah but exactly. not be able to go right no, okay we should be looking at it going when we've seriously progressed from then and things have definitely gotten more sexy but the only difference was back then we knew what it was we were told we were in a recession now we're told not even being told we're in a fucking recession anymore. But the thing I find, Paul, is, and and I'm glad you've brought this kind of up now, because it's where I want to, it's the direction I want to take with the rest of the podcast before we finish. I could live in a recession in my household and Mm. my family and my environment, and you could be living like a, 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 you know, upper class person. Mm. It's now, back in the day, it was a recession and everyone struggled together. Yeah. Now I find, and I don't know if it's if it's the same, but where I grew up, I grew up in, in an environment where we lived in flats and like we had no milk. We knocked down next door and we we got milk and we'd no sugar. We knocked in, and what I had was my well, my mother had was was hers, but it was also the yeah. neighbours. Now we close our blinds and we stick on our TV yeah. and we sit. And if the knock if it, a knock comes to the door, we don't even open the door. Sometimes yeah. that's the truth. And when you're saying about kind of how things are changing, there is a recession out there. It's just we're not experiencing it. Yeah, you know. If the, well, the thing, the point I was making was that we're not being told it's a recession anymore. We're being told it's a recovery, and 100%. everything is going great. Keep mm. it going, lads. Keep the recovery going. That's why I'm glad you said that. So you don't even have you're you're being told that you know, no, this isn't happening. Homelessness isn't happening. The statistics are being fucking interfered with clearly. Oh, more was coming out talking shit, and I don't want to get too into that because look, we're not as well informed as 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 a lot of other people are, and uh, but certain things are politics, and certain things are human rights issues, and it, it is a fucking human rights issue, you know. 
Um, if and it directly affects us. Yeah, it? and you're looking at them throwing money at spin doctors and all the information is there on the internet. You know what's happening. And they're like, no, it's not happening. Keep moseying along there, lads. Uh, the employment is up, but everyone's working. Well, not everyone, but, you know, the employment figures are up because the vast majority are working zero-hour contract minimum wage jobs, you know? So the, the security, the level of job security now compared to what it was is completely diminished. And a lot of things are diminished. So the point I was making was that my plan all, all along was that the LD50 trilogy is a gradual change. And I think this album is actually more angry and more socially aware than the first two were. And I was trying not to let that happen for a while, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. I was trying to, no, it has to be this. And I was mm -hmm. selecting certain beats. And I was like, water through with them. Mm -hmm. uh, I got one beat that was a little bit grimy. And I was like, right. And, and then I wrote a verse. And I was like, oh, shit. I have to let it go where this is going. And then I finished the track. And then I was like, look, I just need to stop putting uh, parameters on what this album is supposed to be. And what, it's, what it needs to sound like. And just let it be Love. what it is. And it's arguably angrier and more socially aware than the first two were. Uh, so that's a change that happened as I was going along anyway, you know, but I just wanted to say that about it. What are your it. thoughts for the future? Not that you can tell and not that you've a crystal ball in your hand. I'm not saying that, but I mean, you've been around the block now long enough mm. to see different generations go through different experiences and a recession and the Celtic Tiger, mm. you know, just obviously when you would have been born into the Celtic Tiger, I'd imagine. Um, just before, the, uh, I was 88, yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't, but, you know, we were chatting about that as well, and we were the same growing up in Cabra, you know, it was, uh, all their family were in Cabra, like, my ma and my dad from Cabra, so, every road I walked in Cabra, I had a family member there, and it was so communal, and... Does that exist anymore? No, certainly not, and especially since they put the Lewis in now, it's, it's become a hotspot, um, so, in another four or five years they'll be selling smashed avocado out of the yards and it'll be fucking all Google heads living on Fossa Avenue which it, you'd never thought you'd see 15, 20 Keep years Keep It ago. Real was, was a track we listened back to and we're like <laughs> now he's right we're going to watch this podcast yeah. back and we'll be able to say that that's what's happened yeah, yeah but then you look at like all around here like all the new apartments they're putting up all along the, like we're in between Finglas and Ballymun here and all the new apartments and like across the roads I won't say any names, but there's a, a block across the road and you can see the disrepair that's falling into and it's the new age flats. And they're all private owned apartment complexes. Mm -hmm. Like We've had things here, here before where they've lost the key and you know, you're trying to get in contact with management for the key and you get through to some receptionists and then you get through to some fucking robot voice who passes you through to some random email. And this is all like private companies with no responsibility and no you know what I mean? If that well, was ever happened... Are you trying to say that at one point, not that you still can't do this, because I suppose there's always a level of trust with some individuals, not mm. everybody's changed, but you had like two neighbours with a set of keys. So like you lost your keys, you knocked into the neighbour and they had... Now it's kind of like, right, I won't leave my key with them, I don't know well, them well see, enough, is it? But the reason is because it's like they've broken up all the older communities and yeah. they've lumped a lot of people in together, yeah. which they kind of did in, in, in Blanche and Talent and places like that years ago. And they haven't learned from it because when they took a lot of people from the old tenements and fucked them out, like there's people, like Blanche was, when we moved into Blanche, everyone in Blanche hated each other. That was what we couldn't understand, you know, there was like, you had Sheep Hill over there and then you had a uh, Cardiff over there and there was a little green in between them and they all fucking hated each other. 
and in Cabra we were a bit you know we used to the odd time like you'd get the Cabra lads and they'd get together and they'd go up and have a knockout the fingless lads at Bromer or something like that you know but what I mean but then go for a few cans yeah, after yeah but they stuck together it was Cabra and Cabra or whatever like that but in Blanche they all hated each other and that was that was one of the things where when I moved up there I was like this place is fucking mad you know but that was because there was just a lot of people lumped in and what's happened now is they build communities like you go to card up now and i'm not saying there isn't still problems there of course there is there is anywhere problems everywhere yeah absolutely and uh, but the communities have all of our time they've gotten to know each other and there's a bit it's of trust dissolved, but now it? they're breaking up again you know and so, that's 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 out of their control yeah and that's what it is is you know the, the, before it was like people wanted to move out of town you know what I mean? If you if you sort of became in any way affluent and you were near the inner city, you moved out, and now it's like the opposite way around. 100%. Everyone moves in. One hundred percent. And that's but you wonder like is is there a grand scheme all along, you know, to to clear out the city centre when they were getting rid of the tenements? They wanted to take the city centre back over the soon, but um, yeah, it's it's a it's a strange one. I think as the years go on, you start to kind of see it clearer. But at the time when it's happening around you, you kind of you're nearly blind to it. Yeah, well, that's the the other thing is you know you have to be aware of false narrative as well because things always look like they happened and there's a lovely little pattern pattern there when you look back at it and you can create a story of I oh, am. Yeah, but it's a bit more chaotic than that, you know. We Especially just, if you live in the middle of the tornado when you're, yeah, it's going on. Exactly. Yeah, and and you you see that yourself when people talk about you know, the, the events you've lived through and there's a nice little linear, like, oh no, this was always going to happen because that happened and looking back it's easy to say that but when you're living in it, it, you know. When we talk about, I've seen you do some work in the past with some with homelessness and I've seen you kind of give your input there whether it was helping out on the streets or whether it was just working with individuals that are heavily involved with it. Um, what are your thoughts kind of on the future with that? Like, I mean, I'm driving by people now and there's eight man tents and they're living in it and there's kids in it and everything. Well, to, to be fair, I haven't done near like I yeah I know I volunteered when Apollo House was happening and when it looked like something might actually change you know but there's there's lads there like the likes of Ash Egan and Inner City Help and Homelessness and Anto Flynn and even Dean Dean and that you know and th like these people are 365 yeah like particularly like Dean helps as well but particularly f the, the, the four scores like they they're doing they're at it all the time like you know and but just with your experience, when you got a, a slight taste of what it's like out there on the street, yeah. I haven't got that. I only see when I'm at the ATM and I see somebody beside me asking me for spare change yeah. or I'm passing them by and they're looking for change. I d I'm not in town at one o'clock in the morning mm. when they're all in their sleeping bags asleep. Yeah, you know, I don't yeah. understand what it's like there. And I would like to ask you, kind of approaching Christmas now, what are your yeah. kind of thoughts for the future of that? Do you well, see positive? It was actually even better back then when Apollo House was happening than it is now. You know what I mean? Good, good. And it 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 was like t now things were better then, things are worse now. They're worse now, yeah. right? Okay. There's more kids homeless than there ever was, and you see they're trying to write off the homelessness figures as, you know, someone staying with a friend though, but they're not really homeless and 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 things like that, you know, and they're being very crafty uh, about the figures and the statistics and stuff like that. But I mean, I learned more about it to be honest. I did a little bit of volunteering for the time but I learned more about working in town when I was working in a coffee shop and so Paul just kind of moving on from homelessness and, and some of the negative things that are happening kind of in Dublin mm. at the moment I mean they're all going on around us and we're aware of them and, and I mean it's affecting a lot of us worse than, than others but I want to talk a bit more positive now and I want to talk how far you've come to now get to this album the name of the album is 
Uh, LD50 part 3 part 3 part 3 yeah it's the third one in the trilogy you know but we're many years to get to here you know it didn't just happen over the span of a decade nearly now yeah yeah. Yeah. and the release date officially have you come up with that yet or I said just because I'm a weirdo with OCD and CDO I put it in alphabetical order the first one was released on January 23rd the second one January 22nd I was like I have to release the third on January 24th just Mm because I'm a weirdo like that but yeah, I'm looking at January 24th for a release now. So in early 2020, we'll be sure to be able to get this on Spotify, all the yeah, all, all the music all good platforms. streaming platforms. However, you that, get yeah. your music, yeah. 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 But um, have we got any promo gigs around coming up? I know the Wheelands gig recently. Yeah, but I'm on t- on the tour started with Wheelands, so I'm basically yeah doing a little mini artist tour, and we did Wheelands. We have um, Derry Sandinos and Derry coming up on the 22nd. And then we have uh, Limerick uh, on the 23rd of November. And then I think Roche and Dove might be December 12th, if I'm not mistaken. I double-checked that, but all the dates are up there anyway. So there's three gigs before the, the release, and there might be some yeah. more popping up in the meantime. I'll do, another, I'll do a Dublin gig again then before. Definitely, I think yeah. you should. Like, I mean, because I didn't make the Wheelands one the last time. Um, but I'd like to make you know one of the next ones yeah, in, in Dublin. More, yeah, yeah, I would sure. love to. But um, look, I think I'll just leave it there like that. Now I think we've spoke about your music. We've spoke about kind of your younger years, how you got involved in music, and then we also touched on some of your kind of personal opinions on kind of the society we live in and the culture we're living in at the moment. But aside from all that, what's most beautiful about it all is that there's a great album on the way, and it's something for you to keep on your toes and and try to share this beautiful music with everybody else. And Paul, thank appreciate you so much. That. Really Thanks appreciate for having it. me, but Thanks, brother. Thank you. That. Coffee and a little bit of conversation.